this podcast series, we like to share our knowledge as software te- developers we have during our Friday evening talks at the bar. Uh, and uh, yeah, we share our knowledge. Uh, I'm Arnold Rijpkema. And I'm Pauline van Alst. And today we have a, a special guest uh, in Roy Wasse. And we're going to talk about uh, developer culture. this episode we have our guest um so and the listeners also want to know who you are so roy can you introduce yourself uh? yes for sure uh well first of all uh, thanks a lot for uh, inviting me to basically one of my favorite podcasts uh, <laughs> just every episode <laughs> uh, up until now and um, so it's uh, really special to be uh, on it uh, on this edition um yeah so a bit about my background i guess um uh, what makes it extra special is that I'm not a rockstar developer like many of the other guests that you guys uh, had, but I've been involved in uh, technology communities, well, basically all my life, and uh, uh, worked with computers, uh, software development, uh, set up home servers, and also started a company called Overvalue a while back, which is all about uh, Java technology. So uh, really love this field, love to work um, in software development, and uh, um, well, maybe a bit of background from what I did. Um, Started um, did computer science once upon a time, mm-hmm. and decided to do philosophy after, um, and basically uh, studied uh, how artificial intelligence could take over human intelligence uh, during <laughs> my philosophy study. <laughs> well, everybody at the department believed that was never going to be the case, and I always thought, well, maybe it could be the case. <laughs> so I decided to do something else uh, after. Started working as a developer at a company called Sojeti, another company of Capgemini. And um, well, always was a bit too worried about uh, how all the projects uh, went around me. A lot of waterfall going on uh, back then, 2005, 2010 period. And um, well, if you worry too much about the projects you're involved in, and you keep asking people what they want, what they expect, and you're not careful, then you become a manager. This is what <laughs> happened, yeah. uh, happened to me. Um, so I became responsible for the Java uh, unit at Sojeti, one of the Java units, and well, a lot of things happened uh, from from there, and uh, I can tell you a lot about uh, all the things that I encountered at, at different communities uh, and so on. Okay, well, welcome in the podcast, and uh, we always start off with our fun or inspiring facts. So, Pauline, what is yours? Yeah, well, actually, mine is about uh, open source. We did a lot of, or a few episodes, actually, about uh, open source uh, contributions, and um, I think uh, last week, uh, Henry Coles, the founder of uh, PyTest um, Library Framework, to do your mutation testing, uh, posted on Twitter, um, yeah, a call of action actually. He wanted from the community some help uh, to test his uh, Kotlin or the the Kotlin plugin they they've been working for. Um, I found it really cool because we often say that people should contribute more to open source projects, and um, yeah, it helps a lot to get people involved. I wanted to get involved since a while on that plugin and on yeah too much things to do to to get involved and that was a good starting point to really get involved so i think it's a big tip for everyone working on those projects to yeah, just tweet about getting some help to test something and then probably get some some feedback there yeah so that Very was cool. my inspiring fact and you yeah for me it's uh we've been doing this podcast as we record this one for two years already yeah, which yeah, i yeah. think is really inspiring to uh like see every, every uh, all the listeners all all the two years already that mm-hmm. we really uh, are growing steadily and yeah. 
I think that's really something inspiring and that keeps on going for many more years and (laughs) hopefully have some really nice uh, episodes in the future. So that was mine. And then what's for you, Roy? Yeah, so uh, I just had a few seconds before the recording of the podcast to come up with an inspiring (laughs) fact. But it was actually quite easy. Um, We're actually recording this uh, at a hackathon that we're doing with a well, a great, uh, great team here who is uh, building all kinds of cool, cool stuff, mm-hmm. which is really inspiring. Somebody's building uh, its own, uh, their own synthesizer. Uh, people are building home security systems. Uh, somebody's automating the beer brewery kettle. Uh, lots of soldering uh, going on, but also all kinds of technology frameworks that I didn't even heard about. Uh, I learned a lot, a lot from that. So that's uh, that's really inspiring. Okay. This episode, we're going to talk about developer culture, uh, and not like normally we start off with history, right, from <laughs> developer yeah, culture. But yeah. probably today we're only going to talk about modern day culture, right? Or are we going to talk about the sixties? And <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. probably not, right? So maybe it's good to have a clear on un- more clear understanding what we see as developer culture. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that, Polly. Yeah. Well, actually, that's, I think, something I like the most at our jobs is that there is a developer culture. And for me, developer culture is actually when you walk into a conference and that you see all those known faces or you don't already know them, but you will get to know them in quite a while. Because, uh, yeah, th- like in conference, everyone talk about uh, to each other uh, of the topics that we like the most at our jobs, um, about testing, programming, whatever, c- quality assurance. Uh, so you get to know people very very soon and you get into this community that's pretty close to each other um and there's a lot of there are a lot of developers active on twitter so you can follow each other during the year until the next conference come comes up um so it's a really warm bath to come into where everyone is accepted and everyone can share their um salty opinions about how we do our work because uh, yeah, I think it, it's a very honest group of people as well, where everyone is able to debate on a very yeah high level, uh, um, with as main goal to improve ourselves uh, constantly. And I think developer culture is, is there. really nice people, um, yeah, and and this drive to improve ourselves in our community uh, every day. So that's that's for me developer culture. Actually. I can I can totally agree on that. I think learning is really important in in our field of work because like in the beginning already said like the 60s is way different than now so we've changed a lot and so you can really can see that there's like a culture of learning and sharing everything Mm -hmm. you want and for you Roy yeah so I think uh, developer culture is really also tied to uh, communities uh, that you're active in uh, as a developer Mm -hmm. and where you learn from like you said uh, Pauline and I guess uh, if I think about developer culture I like to think back to, to uh, when I was like an eight-year-old kid and I was uh, finding out how basic works on my MSX and tried to write some <laughs> programs to keep track of your high scores and games and uh, things like that. And you were so so excited when you saw your program running for the first time. Mm-hmm. It actually did what you wanted it to, to do. And uh, the rest of his family, they didn't understand a thing about what you were doing, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that's still the case uh, if you talk yeah. to people outside yeah. of IT uh, nowadays. So uh, that was a lot of fun growing up working with computers and um, 
also uh, well during study uh, setting up servers and uh, trying out all these different platforms and the feeling that you had back then and uh, asking your, your your roommates to help you out and all people around you go, going well back in the days you had in, in the Netherlands a community like the HCC where everybody <laughs> you put your your computer and uh, you you wrote through location and you well mostly copied games but you also <laughs> uh, maybe uh, there's some hacking uh, there as well that that feeling that you had back then uh, transporting that to the work floor I would mm-hmm. say that's mm-hmm. maybe uh, uh, something that, uh, that that is part of development culture. Mm-hmm. That when you're uh, at a, working for a client, uh, we're, we're all, of course the developer you're always building bespoke stuff. And if you uh, want to create something that has that never been built in that exact form before, you need some creativity. You need to feel some freedom uh, to experiment. Um, you need to get some room mm-hmm. uh, from from the manager on the work floor that uh, that allows you and your team. Uh, well, to experiment, to learn, to try out things, to um, validate it uh, by the users and uh, that you actually learn uh, um, how to build it while you're building it. Uh, mm-hmm. That kind of feeling, that kind of atmosphere, I think that that's the ultimate developer culture that a company should have if they want to be really successful in software development. Uh, in the yeah, end. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah as developer, I can only agree <laughs> on that. Um, but uh, what, what do you think then, then is the most important thing to achieve that because you want that freedom it's difficult right yeah but i think uh first and foremost it uh, uh, requires a huge commitment uh, from from the from the developers uh, because it's all ni- nice uh, that there's a, this atmosphere where you can do all this stuff but you uh, well you need to be able to do it and before you're able to uh, experiment in an efficient way and uh, come up with different approaches different architectures to build things you need to know it's, it's it has been around you need to have a lot of hours of development uh, under the belt uh, as well. <laughs> so I guess uh, that's something, uh, it's really hard, I, I would say, to become a really good developer if you only uh, see your job as a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you probably need um, uh, some kind of passion that you wanna know how, how software works, how frameworks work, and that you find out uh, basically in your own time. Um, but uh, um, you, I think it's really important that you like to go to these conferences and that you get really inspired. So it's more like, Sometimes I think it's more like a calling to be a developer because the moment you stop, you stop doing that, you stop absorbing mm-hmm. all these new things. Well, uh, it doesn't take that long before you, yeah, you go more in a maintenance mode developer, yeah. where you, well, you're not no longer working on these innovative projects. So, um, uh, well, I think so. What it requires, first of all, is that um, you as a developer are really curious and you always want to learn and. Uh, um, Try to master new stuff, and then, then of course, you need an organization that facilitates that. So it's um, it's not that easy, uh, I think, at all. Yeah, okay, I can. Yeah, that's that's true. It it, yeah. it all, all starts with with that passion, right? We need need to spark ourselves as developers. But um, what can a manager actually do? Like we always complain about <laughs> the managers, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. yeah. And what what can they do to facilitate that? Do they need to search for other developers if they they find like maintenance people or? How do yeah, you think so about uh, that? that that's uh, uh, I think uh, uh, you have all kinds of organizations, and uh, an organization is not there to be a great place to work for developers. That's not the goal of no. o- o- of a, well maybe of a software development consultancy company. It could be like one of the goals, but not for a, for a, for a bank or an insurance company or most other companies. Uh, they just want to have good working software. Yeah. So that's uh, a little bit difficult uh, for them because it's really nice to give all this uh, room to experiment and, and stuff, but you also have a budget. Um, yeah. So um, that's uh, uh, probably really tough because 
as everybody knows, we can't all, we can't really predict how long it will take to build uh, well some kind of complex software system with a certain team. So they're of course uh, uh, really worried that they run out of money before there's any working software. Mm -hmm. um, and th this is something um, uh, I think uh, it's first of all really important that a manager is really open about this. Uh, so uh, I think it's uh, we did it in the past a lot um, uh, that you try to forecast how much money uh, it's going to cost to build a project mm -hmm. and you try to act uh, as, as if uh, you can predict this and also uh, um, well, kind of say to the development team well um, we have until January next year we need to build it under that can you guys do it and well uh, if you start talking like that you already create a tense situation because the developers mm -hmm. also don't know well, well maybe mm -hmm. maybe not uh, it depends a lot on what you exactly want probably some change uh, all, the, all the agile uh, stuff so first be really honest about it I, I think there are a lot of organizations who understand agile actually really well uh, and they want to do it in the right way but they still work with with, with, with these uh, well these milestones like in 12 months the system needs to be ready mm. and, and and work backwards from that in a planning and then they will do um, sprint plannings and see what how much work fits actually into the next two weeks but then at a certain point Ooh, we're not gonna make it uh, probably, and then then you again get this uh, waterfall kind of thing that um, people need to m make extra hours. So what can a manager do? Um, I think uh, be uh, accept that this is the case. Um, don't, don't try to act as if you can predict how long it will take. Also against upper management, um, and try to go um, try to work with the team and see what what is the manageable chunk. So um, and what how can you validate? Uh, as fast as possible, that you're going in the right direction and go to production as fast as possible. Th that's a far better mindset than hoping and praying that uh, after 20 sprints, uh, the software is finished. So that, that, that I would say that's maybe one of the first things um, that, uh, that, that that should change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that then, then, yeah, accepting and then communicating, right? Uh, yeah. go going through that with the whole team and making it yeah. yeah, clear to everyone. A and the next thing, uh, what usually happens also because uh, people get worried uh, that it might not be finished in time or, or, or something, is that they try to change a lot of things. Uh, mm -hmm. No, the business case has changed, let's rearrange the teams. And mm -hmm. this, of course, uh, if you're hi especially if you're hiring like uh, fairly expensive external consultants, <laughs> um, you, you think, oh, I, I need to allocate them in the best possible way. And if you're worried that the project might not make it and the business case will not hold, they try to rearrange teams. Um, mm, yeah. And that makes a lot of sense if you look at an Excel sheet and you, and, and you see uh, burn rate and cost and you see uh, what, what, what you currently need as a business uh, to try to optimize the teams to achieving those goals. Um, but rearranging a team usually has uh, enormous impact on productivity before you're back at the same productivity level that you had before with a good working team. Mm. Well, it can take a really long time. And I think it's usually underestimated uh, what these costs are. And uh, so uh, at Open Value, uh, we work for a wide range of customers and you can really see the differences. Sometimes, uh, well, we, we're also involved in projects where um, after a year, if I look back, um, well, I can't say that I'm really proud of what we actually achieved uh, with, with the teams uh, there in terms of amount of software going to production in the end. But also the other way around. So then just maybe two developers, uh, they, they are, uh, well, really good in what they do. 
they get what they need. There's really clear backlog, really clear goal. They know what they want to achieve, and they become hugely productive. So, yeah. um, so managers can also, uh, if they would really appreciate the fact that you need to keep teams stable and also the right balance of, of knowledge in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, everybody understands that, but I think it's even more um, important than most, uh, well, managers, maybe also other people w- would think. Mm. Okay, that, yeah, that's something so really interesting. And then I also, yeah, totally agree on, on that part that most of the, the best teams I had were the most stable ones. Yeah. That feels like you have more time to really collaborate with each other and work together as a team on 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 that thing. That's yeah, yeah I totally agree. And it takes some time to get used to 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 work with people and to to get to know each other, how uh, people work, and uh, to get to know the domain actually as well. Yeah, but taking it back to developer uh, culture um, at Open Value, we value ve- uh, knowledge sharing a lot. Uh, we have to. Because it's kind of our business model, right? If, if the bread and butter. And we have those uh, hacking holidays like we're now into. Um, but still, it's still kind of exceptional to build your software company around that, right? Did you get a lot of remarks when you started Open Value? Because it was really clear that that was the vision of op- Open Value. Yeah, so uh, uh, we have, uh, I think, uh, a few... Uh, unconventional unconventional concepts uh, mm. in the company uh, for sure so uh, I, certainly back in the day uh, I'm speaking like maybe decades ago um, it, it, w- it wasn't uh, strange that if you would go to a, a meetup uh, that it was invite only first mm-hmm. of all and that the presentation was not shared because it was considered intellectual property yeah, yeah. and I always thought this, this is really strange yes um, and um, I think it's nowadays uh, more normal that, that that you of course get access to the presentation and that mm. you have more like these uh, these open meetups. Um, but um, yeah, so I've been active um, in the Just Java user group uh, mm. for uh, for seven years. I actually uh, resigned uh, two months uh, ago, mm. um, and I uh, but but I learned so, so much from yeah. uh, all the people in that community at uh, the JVL conference, the JSPRING conference, Technation conference, the programming contest. Uh, you meet uh, so many people uh, that, 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 that uh, will help you on all kinds of moments if you're stuck uh, while you're doing something yourself uh, mm-hmm. and you get inspired all the time. And um, I really believe that uh, um, uh, this, 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 this inspiration uh, that, and, uh, that, that gives you, give you so much fuel and, mm-hmm. and uh, helps you so much to dive into something and, and, and become really good at it. And, mm. and if you're really good at something, well, probably somebody's going to value that in the market. Mm. That, 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 that's what uh, what I believe. And also uh, Bert-Jan, of course, mm. together we started Open Value. So we, we thought, okay, if this is uh, the thing that uh, helps us uh, be enthusiastic about this field and becoming, uh, well, as good as possible uh, uh, in the field as well, then this should be uh, the, the cornerstone of the company, uh, knowledge mm-hmm. sharing. And there should be a lot of room for that and of course you need to figure out how you do it because you only do knowledge sharing then you don't <laughs> make any money so <laughs> that, that, there must be a sort a, a balance but um, um facilitate as much as possible uh, that, that that's certainly uh, where uh, where we uh, believe in and i'm really proud um that we uh, ha- have done a meetup almost every month since the yes. inception of open value mostly with uh, with our own people and that's i think uh, um only possible because we, we have never uh, set up a plan to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by that, I mean, we try to create a culture uh, where you, uh, well, 
where you try to uh, enable everybody to share knowledge or to, to learn new stuff, to go to conferences, help help people out uh, if they want to figure something out, or maybe um, send them to a, a training if they if they would like that, if they need a piece of hardware. Always make sure that you create the possibility to do that. And then, well, you just talk to the people and they say, oh yeah, this is such a, such a cool project. And uh, you know, can you maybe give a talk about it? Would you like it? Yeah, yeah, I would really like to do that. And just by creating uh, well a, a good starting position to share your knowledge and um, um, people have always stood up and said, oh, well, I can maybe give a talk at next month's uh, meetup. And uh, so we had a meetup every month where somebody uh, from Open Value mostly spoke and we never need to tell anybody, well, it's your turn to do a talk. I think the moment you start doing that, uh, it, it the, the fun is gone and yeah. uh, it no longer works. Yeah. But uh, that that's uh, that's a really funny funny thing that uh, I I also learned. Uh, if you wanna um, uh, if you want people to uh, share their knowledge, never say it's uh, something they should do, but uh, just try to facilitate. That, 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 that's uh, that's basically it. Yeah, and you you said like if we would only do knowledge sharing, it won't give any money. That that for sure, but. Um, I think it it's not you can't really measure how many money it brings in right because it's also kind of branding marketing uh, but yeah it's also a unique selling point to customers that we are doing it so I guess it's making some kind of money still although yes. it's not measurable and that, 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 that's I think a uh, funny thing being a small company mm. uh, you don't have you're not uh, uh, publicly listed or anything then mm. for probably all, all, all kinds of expenses uh, that you have for, for, for doing knowledge, which, which are actually huge. I mean, mm. if people uh, go to a conference for a week, mm. the, the conference ticket is a small fraction of the cost, of course. Yeah, the yeah. fact that you're not uh, working at a client mm. is, is, is a huge uh, expense. If you just yeah. look at the numbers, I think it's probably impossible to make a business case for knowledge sharing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's no, uh, it needs to be something that you really believe in. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, and that that that, that that's uh, um, we we we've definitely believed in it, and it has yeah. definitely paid back. And we you get it back from all the clients um, because they see that they get uh, somebody who's not only uh, capable to write good software, mm-hmm. but it also uh, takes with him or her a certain enthusiasm uh, about the field mm-hmm. that can like uh, energize an entire team mm-hmm. and uh, maybe introduce new technologies that the organization has never heard of and. The comp- clients really value that, uh, yeah. and the only reason that people are have that enthusiasm uh, and, and know about these technologies is, of course, the fact that that, that they get a lot of opportunity to gain that knowledge, uh, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, yeah, that, that, that that's something um, that affects. Um, well, we, we strongly believe in that, and uh, well, that has brought us today where we are, and I think uh, we're doing a great job. So uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do Do you see clients also learning from that that they that companies see that, oh, if I send people to conferences, they will get the same energy as those consultants I'm hiring, or uh, yes. if I facilitate knowledge, do they ask you a question how to do this? Or Yes, definitely. Uh, this, this is actually a lot of fun because uh, every client, of course, wants the employees uh, to uh, be really happy mm-hmm. and uh, make sure that, uh, uh, well, they have the right kind of knowledge and that uh, they uh, build really uh, good working software. So, um, but, but that's the funny thing about culture. It's really hard to describe what a culture actually uh, is. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have certain customs uh, that, that, that you have. Uh, there's certain lingo uh, that, that, that you have. Um, 
there's yeah some unwritten rules uh, probably. So um, yeah, we can we can tell uh, clients all the things that we do, and they ask a lot about what we do. Um, so um, some organizations, I think, they think, oh, that's maybe uh, um, really hard because we need to change the way that we approach our teams. How, how, like I, the example I gave in the beginning, how we do planning sessions, uh, mm. how we share information uh, about our goals and where we are uh, in terms of progress. And uh, um, so they maybe sometimes, uh, and I've seen that, that a company awakens mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and that they think, oh, we need to uh, create this developer culture. <laughs> how to mm. do it. We need to have like a good standing in the, in the community. Mm. Well, we have a good idea. Let's, uh, let's sponsor uh, a conference. Mm. And um, well, that definitely, uh, I think, can help uh, make you visible. Mm. But you definitely also don't create a culture by uh, spending money on <laughs> conferences or no. spending a lot of money by bringing in certain rockstar speakers, uh, maybe. Uh, th those are all cool things, but um, it's, it's far more important that uh, people feel recognized uh, uh, in their needs uh, to, to grow and learn uh, as, the, yeah. as a developer in, in, in the organization. So that's um, something yeah, you, you can tell to a client. And, um, but uh, and we, we, we definitely help out clients by uh, also uh, giving knowledge sessions. Uh, we offer that a lot to clients, uh, yeah. trainings, workshops. Um, for us, like you mentioned, it's also like marketing. Mm. Uh, if if you, uh, of course, Pauline, uh, you give a lot of uh, Kotlin training and workshops. Mm. So if we offer a, 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 a free uh, Kotlin workshop to a client, it's also, of course, a way to show uh, ourselves to the client, mm -hmm. uh, not, not by telling that we're a great company uh, or that have good people, but we're actually showing it. And, yeah. th and, th and th that's uh, something that uh, definitely works. And um, clients really appreciate that. And they, they hope also by asking us and other companies to give these sessions that people inside their company become uh, enthusiastic about yeah. it and they will maybe also stand up and give mm -hmm. these uh, give these sessions so but um, uh, the question was uh, do we help companies also create a developer culture I think we do a lot but I uh, also sincerely believe that we cannot really help them actually create a developer no, culture no. it has to be yeah. deep in the veins of the organizations yeah. and it's yeah. not about what you do it's about how you want to work together mm -hmm. and how and how you enable people uh, to, to learn. Yeah, and that that's like really interesting, right? They have to write their like own story in that way. They have to figure out their culture and how it works for them instead of them saying, "Yeah, we do this and this, 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 this," and then you have a great culture. It's it's all based on the company, right? And mm. the people who are there willing what they want, but more like giving them the the pieces to do it instead of really making them do it, right? That's that's my conclusion of the yes, story. Yes, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and also one thing I, I know at Obervel is also really important, which is fun mm -hmm. at work. I was also one first episode, actually, of the yeah, barcoding. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how did, did you... Uh, why do you find that so important in work? Yeah, so... Um, um, so... Being software, I, I mean, it can be a real struggle to be a software developer as well. So this uh, uh, during this hackathon, um, uh, I, I had a trading bot, um, and it was based on a Spring, and I haven't done well that much Spring myself uh, ever. So uh, I tried to uh, create like, um, uh, well, some new stuff to the project, and oh my god, uh, <laughs> all, all those abstractions, <laughs> and uh, I was uh, deeply frustrated. <laughs> yes, uh, and. Uh, um, 
but that you have those moments uh, as well, uh, right? Uh, so it can be really hard uh, to sometimes get, well, in my case, uh, something, fun the functionality, uh, well, it was five minutes of work, but getting it right, well, uh, take, took a lot of time. So uh, um, I think uh, if you're only um, building on these legacy uh, projects that a lot of people wrote and you don't understand the project 100%, it, it can be really frustrating and uh, well, uh, um, there, there's no fun part at all. But it is, uh, I think, uh, even if you have a really cool project, you do encounter a lot of these kind of situations where uh, it's really tough uh, um, well, to, 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 to uh, keep your motivation, uh, I think. That's that, that that's also uh, uh, part of it, and um, so uh, it, it better be uh, so that if you uh, have some other activity than your normal task and project, that it is something that energizes you. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and just like I said, uh, uh, it, you cannot uh, make it an obligation to do knowledge sharing, um, uh, you, but you can make it fun to share uh, to share knowledge um, and. Uh, if you make it fun to hang out with your with your colleagues um, and you tell each other the the, the, the nice things that you encounter or just to have a fun activity um, yeah you, you after a day of fun after this hackathon I'm, I'm sure that uh, well you feel relieved again and you have new power and you you, you think well let's uh, uh, let's create some some cool software today if you're going back to your project and you maybe later on struggle again with uh, the spring thingies uh, that don't, <laughs> yeah. don't do what you actually want them to do you, you can cope with it a bit better. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's also uh, uh, therefore um, that you have a fun uh, as a cornerstone of your company. Um, I think uh, also makes that you do in the end your work better because well, I think you have more margin for, 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 for the hot stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so um, I, I think it kind of works like that. And uh, also uh, why not? Why not make fun uh, the cornerstone of your company? I, I mean, uh, people like to have fun, uh, right? And uh, it's uh, incredibly hard to uh, uh, well hire really good uh, developers. It's incredibly hard to uh, keep them at your company uh, because uh, probably uh, well everybody probably most people listening to this podcast they have four LinkedIn messages. So uh, if you uh, uh, have a day that's not fun at all, uh, well maybe on uh, and, and this happens like uh, two or three weeks uh, uh, every day you think it's not fun. Well, you can easily change uh, change jobs. So the moment uh, that you feel, okay, sure, uh, there are these moments, but in the end, my company tries to make it fun. Um, well, uh, that's maybe uh, a reason not to uh, uh, read these uh, LinkedIn messages <laughs> invites for other jobs as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's also, uh, that, that's not the, the prime reason for us uh, because when we founded Open Value, we, we just thought what would for us be the ideal company mm -hmm. to work at. Uh, so this was uh, um, uh, knowledge, um, Knowledge sharing, fun, uh, fun, yeah, and I, I don't know uh, the the term that I came up with is artisanship, uh, a bit more gender neutral, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I, I think th those three things are the cornerstone uh, of our of our company, and I think artisanship is automatically created uh, from from the first two. You you, yeah. you you become that person that is really proficient uh, um, by doing this knowledge sharing and having fun at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also one of the advantages I, I see w with fun activities is also that you connect to your colleagues in a different way, but yeah. also know who to ask. Yeah. So for for instance, I can now, if I do something with AI, I know somebody did a project there. I can yeah. ask yeah. them uh, what did they find, what, what did they dislike, uh, 
what pitfalls do I have? I can now ask you about spring. So question. So th- I think that's also really important to have, have that thing yeah. in there to be, uh, yeah, to, to know people in a different way and, and easy, um, like asking them questions or uh, getting information yeah. with them e- more, way more easily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, the cool thing about uh, our profession uh, is also all the opportunities you get through knowledge sharing. Um, so uh, uh, all the conference uh, around the globe uh, that you can go to, mm-hmm. invited to. And sometimes these people even uh, pay for uh, transportation for your hotel. But if they don't, it's, it is still still really, really cool. Uh, and like you said, you meet so many inspiring uh, people uh, mm-hmm. there. That's uh, yeah, that, 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 that's so awesome. Uh, I've been to so many places uh, the last couple of years. And that's all uh, thanks to knowledge sharing, uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say. So um, that, then that's priceless um, for me at least. Yeah, yeah and, and for me, I'm, I'm now like a new developer and I wa- want to have this good culture. What, where do, do I start? Where do I find, for instance, knowledge? What is the best way? Oh, yeah. So uh, how do you start? And I think, uh, um, so I already explained how I started back in the days with the hobby computer club uh, in, yeah. in, in the Netherlands. But uh, you know, I can I can uh, uh, when I it was more professional knowledge sharing uh, setting for me was around when I became a manager for the Java competence at uh, the company I worked. Uh, I well, I did work with Java around 2000, but well, I found it really hard and I thought, well, this can be more I can do my stuff easier in some other language. But then I saw uh, how dedicated people in my team were, and I thought, oh, this is really cool, and that has happened uh, since. And um, I thought, well, uh, uh, I want to learn more. Um, so, uh, uh, and then the ideal uh, place to go to, uh, I would say, is uh, uh, find out if, uh, if you're in the Java ecosystem, then uh, find out if there's a Jack nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, the, uh, that, that's also something really special about software development. Uh, if you work uh, in physics or uh, in medicine, or in law, um, you don't have all these uh, all these free occasions where you can go to to to, to get to get some well yeah. basically free knowledge. Yeah. But what we but we do have that uh, opportunity. It's really easy. You go to meetup.com. Just say where you live, where you're interested in, and probably you can visit meetups uh, uh, anywhere. And um, most of these meetups I went to, they're all really welcoming. They don't expect anything of you. Yeah. Of course, uh, I think a few years back, some meetups tend to start with a boring uh, company presentation. <laughs> And well, um, that of course, that's really counterproductive because people then feel, oh, this is this is the same kind of boring company that I currently yeah. work, maybe. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm probably not going to switch. But uh, I, I, th- th- I think that everybody got that message <laughs> nowadays. So um, yeah, I, I, the funny, I think before COVID, uh, uh, there were like these people who said, well, uh, I haven't uh, uh, eaten uh, dinner the whole week. Uh, we yeah. spoke on Friday because I went to a meetup on, on Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Uh, so the, the entire week, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's really easy. And um, it's also easy to co- to uh, uh, well share your own knowledge. Uh, um, yeah. And um, there's the speaking mentoring programs uh, um, are being held at, uh, d- at different places. Um, of course, Bert Jan, our CTO, he also facilitates uh, those uh, mm-hmm. those meetings. It's really uh, really uh, easy to just just join and uh, um, well um, see what you can get out of it. And uh, you can start really small by giving a, a presentation to your team. And, uh, and if you feel confident about the subject, well, it, you can become an expert really fast. And that, that's also uh, special, I think. 
And so because the, uh, the field is evolving so enormously fast, uh, <laughs> constantly new tools, framework, languages, whatever. So uh, even if you have just six months of, of experience, but if you have already worked with this uh, really new uh, library language tool, you can al already give a really interesting presentation to people who are 20 years in the field. And this yeah. is also something uh, that I don't see uh, that much in other fields. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, um, the only thing uh, that you uh, really need, I think, to get going is, uh, well, the first steps always may be a bit hard, but I think uh, the community is normally really welcoming and uh, mm -hmm. uh, my feeling and, and, and uh, some inspiration. Uh, and um, well, you can take it from there and see uh, what you currently want to do. And this can change all the time, of course. Uh, so um, it is hackathon here. Um, up front, but, uh, we, a lot of people made plans what they wanted to do. And once they came here, I know one guy said, oh yeah, uh, I, actually I haven't done any front end uh, recently. Uh, and I really want to uh, understand how React works. So, uh, uh, well, we have maybe uh, some API I can build a front end for. He was talking to different teams to see what yeah. was the, 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 the most fun uh, back end, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, but uh, then he started working on it. And, uh, the guy next to him, he was, uh, uh, well, working on the automating the, 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 the beer kettle, mm. <laughs> uh, trying to make an automatic uh, automated uh, uh, alcohol measurement. Um, mm. And he was doing that with C++. Mm. He was eyeing that. Yeah. <laughs> and he, oh, that's actually uh, way more cool. And in a way, <laughs> went to react at C++. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, uh, this is the cool stuff, right? Mm. Just by seeing what other people do. Uh, and, uh, well, yeah. you think, oh, I want to also understand that. And, um, well... Yeah. Then you can see how long you uh, are, uh, uh, how long you stay enthusiastic, and if it's long enough, well, you probably have some material to share there, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that's true, and and just start off what what you really like, and and find a way to to share it there, yeah. because I think like our whole ecosystem of developers is, is so broad that you can just switch to whatever you want, yeah, uh, whenever you like, and that's mm -hmm. really important mm -hmm. to. Yeah, to keep your energy in that way. Yeah, yeah and also keep switching. I think uh, I would even say that. Uh, so it's uh, important not to, uh, well, get caught up maybe in, in any kind of stack too long that's not really, well, uh, constantly uh, adopting itself to, to new requirements. But if it stays too, if you do the same thing for a bit too long, of course you don't stay enthusiastic <laughs> about anything forever. So... Uh, uh, better be sure that uh, if you feel enthusiasm is fading, of course not after a few weeks, but if you feel well, I don't really know what I could actually learn here, or mm -hmm. or, or maybe you you could do new stuff, but you don't feel there's something that you're excited about. Well, be fair and uh, also take the step to change. I think that's also uh, important. Uh, yeah. Let people know what, what 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 would keep you motivated. And I think an important thing there is that it gets easier to learn new things um, at a after a while, if you change your uh, interest a lot, so you're studying Java, then you're studying Python, for instance, and then C++, then C++ at the end becomes e easier to learn because you can recognize some patterns from the previous languages. And the same thing will do for frameworks. So I think it's really... I noticed that at the end it gets really easy to learn new things if you keep keep on challenging yourself constantly. I, I can only be really jealous uh, about that because uh, I haven't done enough programming <laughs> to have like this experience. But I can definitely uh, understand that, that you recognize the concepts and uh, see how it in different, uh, different uh, circumstances, how the same concepts apply and that yeah. you can kind of guess that this 
this or that type of functionality should be available exactly. because that would make a lot of sense and you've mm-hmm. seen it before and yeah. and then you look at it and you, and you, and you can find it so that um, you can find it and maybe understand it even better than you did before because it's implemented yeah. in a different way or interpreted in a different way and then you realize oh they solved it like this but the other language solved it like that and those are the reasons i think that that makes you yeah yeah. A very good programmer at the end, and that that's like uh, when you, when you become when you master programming, yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. So you have to like these uh, learning steps. Yeah. If you try to do anything uh, new, like for mm. instance, if you want to drive, uh, learn how to drive a car, mm. in the beginning, uh, well, somebody needs to tell you, well, this is the steering wheel, mm. and uh, this is the throttle, and mm. this is how you shift, etc., etc. And, and you try to remember all these rules, um, how how to shift gears, uh, for instance. Uh, mm. And um, well, after a while, um, well, the, the guy sitting next to you gives him instructions. He doesn't need to say anything. So then you're probably in the next phase. You have internalized the rules and you don't need constant reminders. You're still following the rules. And at some point, um, and this is, I think, uh, uh, where you ma- become a master in what you do, um, you, you, it becomes part of your, of your being. So mm-hmm. you're, you're no longer thinking it. It's not, not, not in your active thinking uh, memory, not in your declarative memory so to speak but you really internalized it uh, yeah, like like, like riding a bike you don't think at all about riding a bike and if oh, exactly. you can and, and like the way you, you just spoke about it sounds like well uh, writing code can be like riding a bike <laughs> i'm not at that point yet <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but you're so familiar with this yeah, concept yeah, exactly. and, 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 and you just programming it out and it makes yeah. a lot of sense to follow a certain structure yeah. and um and and, and that's probably n- never going to be as easy as riding a bike, but you, you, it gets you may, easier. maybe yeah. you're approaching that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I also think that that's something, right? That we can can learn from other languages, and and in a real different way that you can see concepts coming in there. Yeah. Switching languages actually, which is really fun, I think, to see other things. But also, yeah, like you said, learning those concepts in a different way and really getting the understanding and yeah. switching languages and everything. Yeah, sometimes you see that company don't really like introducing new mm. languages because they um, afraid to uh, that they won't be able to hire new people uh, exactly. to code those languages. As you said, it's already really hard to find people and stuff like that. But I think it's good to challenge people to learn yeah. new stuff because they will get better at the end and it will get less frightening to adopt new technologies. In it, uh, this is company. interesting. So it's, it's a balance, but yeah, yeah. It's an interesting uh, thing. Uh, that you mentioned, uh, coming back a little bit also to developer culture and mm-hmm. what a manager uh, can do. Um, so uh, companies try different approaches. I, I'm not sure what was the best one. So um, giving uh, uh, like a standard set of programming languages a framework that you're allowed to use mm-hmm. is certainly uh, an approach uh, that yeah. you see. Yeah. And is that a good approach? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, um, I, I've seen also companies do the, the exact opposite. Yeah, uh, and I, I've seen that it became quite messy yeah. <laughs> quite <laughs> a few times. And it's really As, hard uh, to find people to maintain code base. Es- especially yeah. if you have like a more niche uh, niche language. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really yeah. cool to build stuff with Elm, but uh, <laughs> it's not like there are a lot of Elm developers. Uh, yeah. Scala is, of course, a popular example, uh, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the Netherlands. I think uh, probably a lot, of, a lot of other companies as well. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of losing some popularity, uh, yeah. I yeah. guess, and it can be re- people can write really complicated code. So yeah, if you have like one project that is Scala-based and uh, the rest is uh, just uh, uh, well more regular Java or Kotlin mm-hmm. code, well um, you can have a, a problem. So uh, 
yeah, I'm I'm not 100 sure what's uh, what's the best. Yeah, I I think something in between standardization and, and freedom. Maybe uh, I s- I've seen one company uh, um, have like a standard uh, a set of technologies that people mm. can use. But if you can make a good business case, and mm. you have done well some kind of committee that uh, uh, well mm-hmm. looked at your business case and uh, and these are technical people which yeah. I think is really important to understand what they're actually assessing um, mm. well if you can make a good business case then you're allowed to do that and ma- maybe that's uh, uh, kind of a good way to, 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 to do this yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure but I think then a company should also allow people to be able to make their use cases so allow some time to do some uh, proof of concepts or yeah experiment and stuff i think it complements the yeah your standardization is to also give some freedom away yeah at some parts um yeah i think i think that the, the, the there is a sweet spot in between those two solutions where you yeah can achieve really interesting things and it's the same I, I, I guess we could have to have the same kind of discussion about quality so mm. uh, in, in a good developer culture uh, you want to give like a lot of responsibility mm. to uh, developers and you usually trust them to make the yeah. right decision yeah. But um, you also need developers that can, uh, well, handle the responsibility. Yes. This is also not, not for everybody, uh, I would say. So it's, uh, of course, if you enable people and you give them the room to develop themselves, mm-hmm. well, but not everybody is per se uh, somebody who really wants uh, to go deep <laughs> no. into the field of software development. No. Yeah. So um, um, if you have like uh, uh, maybe a group of developers who are, well, maybe they like to do business analysis and also like to do a little bit of programming but not mm. not too much mm. um well um if you leave it to those people uh, to experiment and try out new things well, it, it really is the question if you're going to end up with with well working software uh yeah. so uh yeah that, that that that's um really situational uh yeah um but if you on the other hand have uh, a group of developers who feel empowered and uh well, they try to be really professional in how they build uh, build, build mm. things i think uh, management should say anything about, uh, of, yeah, maybe should say anything about things like uh, like unit tests and what kind what kind of quality controls uh, there should be, because uh, you just tell your developers, well, we want to have really good quality, and you try to uh, explain uh, maybe uh, what circumstances you expect software to be used and for what period of time and uh, well some 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 other things. And as developer, you can decide. Well, uh, then I, in that case, I need isn't that test or I need to refactor something. Mm. And of course, uh, there's still a lot of situations where, um, well, you need to go to your product owner to, to, to ask if it's okay to do some. Uh, mm. uh, you say I want to uh, write some extra tests or something. And uh, mm. should, I, I think ideally, you shouldn't have these kind of discussions with a non-technical person. Mm-hmm. So you, you can assess. Um, if it's a good idea to do it, yeah, um, yeah. and if it's really necessary, you also if you have a plumber at home, he's also not going to ask you about <laughs> the quality of the pipe no. he's going to install. M- maybe no. in certain scenarios, but most of the no. time he just does his work, does his work, mm. bec- and and he's responsible for, for for doing a good job. And you tell mm. him what you want. And this is something I think uh, um, doesn't happen uh, all the time in our field. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's true. That's Pauline, do you have a last question for Roy? Because we're or almost <laughs> almost out of time no, yeah I, I think uh, we discussed a lot already it was really fascinating again to uh, to discuss this topic yeah yeah so yeah f- thanks Roy for being in our podcast really uh, enjoyed it to see your your vision on everything and uh, I think the listeners also really enjoyed this uh, this episode yeah um, so yeah that's it and uh, hope you will listen to our next episode you bet thank you <laughs>